Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Today, all the things Joe Biden can do on the environment and all the things he can't. And this may not surprise you, but there are a lot more of the latter than the former. Hello, and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So for the rest of the year, the biggest story in the environmental world will be the transition of incoming president-elect Joseph R. Biden. Who will his nominees be? What does that say about what Biden wants to do? Or can his nominees even get confirmed by the Senate? Those are all questions we're going to be asking here in Washington, D.C., and also on this podcast over the next few weeks and months. Now, the last time the White House switched from Republican to Democratic was back in January of 2009. And back then, Democrats had huge majorities in both chambers of Congress. That is most definitely not the case this time around. So, naturally, one would think that means Biden will accomplish little on environmental issues. But that's not going to go over well with a lot of the environmental activists that make up a part of the Democratic Party's coalition, and especially not the Sunrise Movement, a powerful, youth-led group that has a lot of sway on climate change policy. To discuss this, I rang up Dean Scott, a Bloomberg Law reporter who covers the environment. We spoke yesterday afternoon about how Biden's administration will differ from Obama's on the environment, and we also talked about Biden's selection of John Kerry, an Obama administration veteran, as a special presidential envoy for climate change. I was not necessarily thinking John Kerry was going to come back to play a role in this administration. As I'm sure you know, uh, John Kerry, the former senator from Massachusetts, uh, Senate chairman, and also uh, secretary of state worked on the Paris Climate Accord, was fairly intimately involved with that. And uh, I certainly saw an enhanced role for him on the climate issue, maybe even the global stage um, once Biden was elected, but um, to see him brought into the White House and he'll be the first climate official ever with a seat on the National Security Council in this sort of uh, new position, uh, I think that's a really interesting signal. That really provides a, a really interesting place for, for John Kerry to serve a, a role in this administration. So it seems like with by choosing Kerry for this role, uh, Biden is really elevating the issue of climate change. Uh, however, you've also done some interesting reporting on the pick of Cedric Richmond as uh, a senior White House official. He's someone who has been much friendlier to the uh, oil and gas industry. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, the, the the Cedric Richmond appointment, you know, to some role was expected because. He's a Democrat. He was very involved in Biden's campaign. And uh, so there was some expectation that he might have some role. 
in this new role as a, a, a sort of special advisor for engagement, the idea is he'll reach out from the White House and be sort of a point person to interact with uh, the climate advocacy community, uh, but also um, uh, business groups, other folks that, that want to bring things to the administration. Uh, Representative Richmond's positions, uh, in part because he represents Louisiana, a district in Louisiana, he basically has been criticized as being too close to fossil fuel interests. And uh, his appointment actually drew some, some, some backlash from the Sunrise Movement and some other um, activists on the climate, uh, climate issue. And I would point out some interesting things about him. Uh, is, is one is in the area of carbon capture. You, you might recall there there has not always been a lot of affection from Democrats because that's that's I guess that's seen as like a you know a way to allow the continued burning of fossil fuels instead of sort of phasing it out right that's right that's how it's seen by particularly for critics those technologies haven't always been embraced by Democrats but um, in more recent years uh, Democrats have signed on to to increasing the uh, the tax incentives for carbon capture. And so looking at uh, Representative Richmond's um, uh, support for this, I think that provides another voice for uh, carbon capture in this administration. And I would point out Joe Biden's platform uh, makes at least a cursory uh, mention of carbon capture as a solution. So you mentioned uh, the Sunrise Movement a, a little bit, and I want to get more into that. But first, let's talk about the EPA uh, itself, you know. Again, we're we're talking here on Tuesday, the afternoon of Tuesday, November twenty fourth. We don't know who the head of the EPA is going to be yet, but it does seem like uh, Mary Nichols, um, the head of the California Air Resources Board, has the inside track. Um, what are you hearing from sources about this? Are, are uh, is ever would everyone be pleased with a Mary Nichols appointment, or would there be some people who think that she's either too radical or not radical enough? Well, I would say between Mary Nichols, that connection to California, um, and 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 the work that California's been out front in terms of you know establishing a cap and trade program, doing many of the things that have not been possible uh, in Congress, it basically puts her on the vanguard. I think for a lot of people in terms of her ability to move um, some climate um, action out of EPA and sort of restart what was a pretty active EPA on this front during the Obama administration. We're also still hearing the name of um, Washington Governor Jay Inslee uh, on the short list. Um, but I, I also think there are some names that we just haven't seen, um, some other names. Um, uh, the reason I'm, reason I'm hedging a little bit is uh, the, the John Kerry pick and some other picks um, outside of the environmental area have, have surprised some people. So I would not be surprised to see some other names. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, you, you wouldn't be surprised to be surprised. Yeah, I think sometimes in this area, when we're talking about transition uh, for a new administration and, and, and who's, who's the hot name, uh, we've been down this road before where it winds up uh, not being any of the, the names that we're hearing. But I, I think the important issue there is, is if you're Joe Biden, you're going to want to have somebody that sends a signal to the climate and environmental community that you're serious about uh, EPA providing a, a significant role and occupying that space for climate change. Because as you know, 
we're ha we have real questions about who's going to control the Senate and very close margins in the House. So the, the, the question now is, what can Biden do on his own for the next couple of years on climate change if we're not, almost certainly not going to have a massive climate change bill, or at least an ambitious one that might have been possible if Democrats had won you know, three, four, five, six seats, as some people were predicting before Election Day. So it sounds like I'm kind of reading between the lines of what you're saying here, but it sounds like what you're saying is that the, uh, you know, environmental activists and people sort of on the left in the environmental movement, particularly this the Sunrise movement, um, you know, of climate activists, it sounds like they'll have a, a pretty big influence in who the Biden administration chooses to lead its environmental agencies. Is, is that is that your understanding? That's, I think they have some input, certainly. They're looking, that they're, it will be a signal to them. The only caveat I would throw out there is, is if Democrats are in the minority, or even if they win the two seats in Georgia and thus barely control the Senate with 50 seats, either way, you're going to have some difficulty in getting cabinet people through the Senate with that kind of margin. So I would, I would make the point that Maybe some of uh, the more amb uh, more ambitious picks for climate change that really would would uh, make the Sunrise Movement and other climate advocates really happy. Those might not be on the table simply because Biden has to fill a cabinet. Boy, well, there there goes uh, Bill McKibben's chances of becoming EPA administrator <laughs> just, <laughs> just vanished. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. So let's uh, sort of talk about uh, policies now, not just people. Um, you've been doing some interesting reporting on the Clean Power Plan, which was, uh, listeners may recall, the Obama administration's big attempt to kind of rewrite the rules for the power sector and make them more climate friendly. Uh, they didn't go well, which I'm sure we can get into. Um, and of course, you know, lay dormant during the Trump administration. But will they be resurrected under uh, President Biden? Is that something that you're hearing? Well, I think from the folks that I've been talking to, you're going to see a resurrection of the uh, the effort, or let's say the the big thirty thousand foot plan, the idea that EPA should have a role in regulating power plant emissions and and some other emissions for that amount, for that matter. 
I think you're going to see them forcefully return to that arena. There's no doubt of that, particularly since we don't have uh, Democrats with big margins controlling the Senate and possibly not controlling it at all. That puts a lot of onus on EPA and, and on Biden to get some of these things done using existing executive branch authority. And if that sounds like deja vu, that's pretty much what Obama's plan was a couple years into his administration when it appeared, you know, they were they were not going to be able to get the cap and trade bill through and and the Obama administration decided to sort of take a what people call it a go it alone approach. The problem now is the game plan on the field has already been executed during Obama to try to regulate power plants using a very broad reach for EPA, not just to the power plant sites, but all the way out into the grid. The problem is, is it was stayed by the Supreme Court and there are real questions with an even more conservative court that exists today of being able to uh, run that game plan again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to forget, but we're talking about a really kind of novel theory of administrative law and about what the executive branch can and can't do without laws being passed for, uh, by Congress. And you're right. I mean, the you know, it, it's very possible that if the Biden administration tries to do that again or something like that, that the Supreme Court uh, will step in and, you know, it's anyone's guess as to what will happen there, right? Yeah. And, and because it was already a conservative court that stayed Obama's clean power plan um, over three years ago, what you have now is is you have an even more conservative court um, now that's more like six three instead of five four. So there's there are a lot of questions about whether you know even if it was possible to just um, you know wake from the dead Obama's clean power plan and 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 you know put new garments on it and dress it up as something new. I don't know that that would really have. Uh, uh, impress necessarily the court. There are options, and I'm sure they will look at other options. The consensus seems to be that the, they may uh, go back to using the same authority that they've already used, but maybe just um, uh, some, somehow change the scope of what they're regulating and just come at it from, from a different angle. Yeah. All right. And finally, you know, President-elect Biden was vice president under uh, President Obama, of course. Um, and it may be too soon to say this, but do you think that from an environmental standpoint, the Biden administration is just going to be a kind of replay or a retread of what happened in the Obama administration? Or do you think Biden will bring some markedly different policies and perspectives to the environmental field than the, the you know President Obama did? I think one thing that will be different is we're not going to be starting off from a position like Obama did coming into office in 2009 with hopes of doing big uh, climate legislation right off the bat. As you recall, that was like one of three top priorities for his administration. We're not going to have uh, for uh, President-elect Joe Biden uh, t time or the 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 political will, I think, to do that big of a bill. So in a sense, I think we're, what we'll be doing with Biden is we'll be getting rid of some of these early years of effort that we saw under Obama, where you know we test what can be done in Congress, try to negotiate, try to get Republicans on board. And there is an argument even out there now that having uh, more of a divided Congress can be a very good sort of uh, um, 
uh, garden for growing deals that aren't that that don't seem to get done in Washington, even when you have control of things. Cap and trade being a great example of that in 2009, where they had you know control of all arms of government and still couldn't get it done. Yeah, and so actually, I was thinking about that. It's hard to remember now, but Democrats really had enormous majorities in both chambers, and they had the the presidency. That's right, and 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 instead of that. You'll, you're already seeing, I mean, Biden hasn't even been sworn in yet, and we're already tempering expectations uh, for what he can get done. So there's this tension there. There's, there's pressure for him to deliver, frankly, a lot more or get us on a path to doing a lot more and uh, w- without having um, help from Congress. That's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use the handle at environment. Just that, at environment, nothing else. I'm at David B. Schultz. If you have any family recipes you want to share, I'm always on the lookout. Today's episode of Parts for Billing was produced by myself and Josh Block. Special assistance on this episode came from Anna Yukonanov. Parts for Billing was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and Road to Memphis by Paul Bouchara and Emmanuel Jean Benet. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks for listening and happy Thanksgiving. Taxes and accounting are complicated, but finding a good tax podcast shouldn't be. I'm Siri Belusu, and I'm Amanda Icone. Listen to Talking Tax, the podcast that breaks down all of these issues on a weekly basis. Every Thursday, Talking Tax will explain the latest issues for you, from what Congress is working on to legal rulings to the global digital tax debate. Download and subscribe to Talking Tax wherever you get your podcasts. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.